as we continue to share the goodness of God, I just love, love, love it when we end up having testimonies of the goodness of God. Don't you love to hear what things he's done, how amazing he is, and how good God is every day? That was kind of weak. Yeah. Here. Well, this young lady had something extraordinary in her life. God cares for every detail in our lives. He wants us to be complete. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healed and well. And I'll just share a little bit that here it's been probably, what, a couple months ago? A couple months ago, we were right just during our service, and I believe it was at the very end of, of worship, Pastors Tim and, and Christy started calling out some things that they felt like Lord wanted to heal. Is that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and one of those two, Pastor Tim, yes. doesn't really matter who, God laid it on his heart. He called out migraine headaches. I believe God wants to heal migraine headaches right now. And so, God likes to work through, so oftentimes, through sometimes several people at one time. You know, building a quick team where one person says something, another person does something else. You following me? Yeah. Well, this was one of those times. Tim, Pastor Tim called that out and said, you know, anybody that's struggling or suffering with migraines, raise their hands. She raised her hand. I, I was in the close proximity right there. Felt very much that she was highlighted to me. So I went and laid hands on her and prayed over her. And I'm going to turn it over to her. Hi, everyone. This is Karen. Yes, I'm Karen. Um, I help with the youth with Pastor Tim and Ezzy. Um, so kind of a backstory. I've had migraines. I had migraines since I was eight years old. Um, I was constantly down, um, sometimes three days out of the week I would get a really bad migraine. Um, I would go in for shots because I couldn't take the pain, ibuprofen wouldn't do anything for me and nothing would do anything for me. Um, it got to the point where my doctor was like, you know, we exceeded all the, um, the amount of medication we could give you, it's time to go see a neurologist. And I did not want that. I couldn't function as a mother. I couldn't function as a daughter, as um, a wife because of the pain. And so I prayed. I prayed and I was like, Jesus, I, I do not want to be on medication the rest of my life. I don't want to be down for three days where I have to be in a dark room, no sound, no nothing. Um, I got to I gotta be strong for my kids, for my husband, for my parents. Um, and so I prayed. I prayed. And um, that was, I think, Wednesday of that week. And then Sunday morning, um, that happened. And Pastor Lynn came over and just prayed over me. And I just felt like this huge weight taken off my head. And I fell back. And I was out for quite a bit. Um, I finally got up. And um, Juan was like, wow, you were out for a little bit. <laughs> but I just... Um, give all the praise to God because, yeah, I had really bad migraines um, since I was eight years old. I'm 26 now, so um, it took about 18 years <laughs> for me to get healed, so I just, um, I praise God for that. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's been at least a couple months ago, and you've been migraine-free. Yes, I have been migraine-free, and to be honest, if I can be honest, I don't think I can remember what migraines feel like anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Something I'd like you, while you're up here, to, to talk just a little bit about, though, how the enemy comes in and starts to question everything. Yes, so um, Pastor Lynn would check on me every now and then, like, hey, how are you doing? How are your headaches? How are your migraines? And I was like, I'm great. I'm, I'm okay. And then one Sunday morning, um, we said hello. He hugged me, and he's like, how are your migraines? And I was like, they're gone. And he was like, that would be a great testimony on a Sunday morning. And I was like, yes, I'm so ready. Like, I was pumped. Well, that afternoon, I went home, and I just started getting a headache. I started getting a headache, and um, that week, I was just out. I um, felt really weak. I fatigued. Just I was running a fever. Just all these things, and in my head, it's like you start thinking, "Well, are you really healed? Are you, you know, just all these thoughts, just that little voice." And um, Juan came Wednesday night and told Pastor Lynn what was going on. Told Tim. Um, Juan went home, prayed over me. Um, I had my friends prayed over me, Taylor prayed over me, and um, Pastor Lynn called me, and he prayed. Um, he prayed over me. Juan was laying his hands on me, and um, yeah, the next morning I woke up, and it was like nothing had happened. I just felt so relieved, but yeah, I just, just after Pastor Lynn was like, that would be a great testimony, and I was just so ready to testify. Um, it's like the enemy was like, but are you really healed? But yes, I am. I am healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Awesome. And thank you for sharing that testimony. Anybody else struggling with migraine headaches? Hey, why don't you come back up here? testimony of Jesus says, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Anybody that has a struggle with migraine headaches, believe that this morning is your morning. Break that cycle, break those chains, break migraines off you. So if you'd stand up, anybody struggling with migraine headaches, stand up right now. Okay, we'd like everybody to extend their hands towards them. We're all going to be the, the prayer team here. We got one, two, three, four. And I would like you, to those who overcome. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Jesus, today for this morning and for each one of the people that are standing up, Heavenly Father. I just ask you, Jesus, to heal them like you did with me, Heavenly Father. We just ask you to do it again. We ask that their bodies, that their minds, that their souls just come in alignment with you, Heavenly Father, right now. And we just ask you to break Jesus. any chain of pain, any headache, any migraine. We just ask you to heal them completely in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Wow. 
God is so good, isn't he? He gave me about three sermons to preach this morning, and I now have 40 minutes to get that accomplished. So, so good. Karen, this is going to be a real challenge for you. Maybe both of us. I want to go to uh, the second chapter of Colossians. I want to just end up reading some scriptures to you, and I, I would like you to write these down. Anyone that's taken notes, if you can write these down, you'll just have some homework, some study that you can do after you get home. So I'm not really going to have time to cover all this. So Colossians 2, second chapter, <clears throat> 6 through 10. As you, meaning you and me, have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Verse 8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, According to the tradition of men, the reasoning and tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So the complete fullness of all God is, who God is, and what God is, dwells in the body, in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Got that? That's really important right there. And you, number 10, say, and you, are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Christ, the head of all principality and power. And you... Me, you, are complete in him. That's going to be something that I'm really going to key on. I, I was, this makes me think of here two, three, a couple of years ago, three years ago, we were in Mexico and I had an opportunity to, to pray over a very good friend of mine he, he, there who gave his heart to the Lord. I've shared this story before, but this just highlighted it to me again having an opportunity to pray for Ignacio Casillas, Nacho, uh, a big land developer, and, and, and I got to pray for him, and, and the power of God hit him, and he, and he fell onto his own desk, and people on the other side of the glass wall watching this happen to him, their boss, you know, and afterwards asking him, Nacho, what was your experience? Explain to me, and English is definitely his second language, uh, Renee and Christy got to, got to experience a, a, a significant part of this as well. And Nacho said, I just feel like there was a time where, where he, he was trying to describe the presence of God where he said, nothing is missing. Nothing is missing. It's like, oh, complete in him. It's like nothing is missing right now. I, I'm just complete that peace that surpasses all understanding is our being complete in Him. Is that good? 
We can be complete in him. Okay, the, the next one, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verse 15. Sorry, Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we're talking about Jesus right here, Jesus. I'll back up to verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. So he sympathizes with us. He sympathizes with me and you in our weakness because was, Jesus Christ was in his flesh tempted as we are in all points. Yet, without sin. Without sin. Uh, The next verse is really important too. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Revelation 3.21 Revelation 3, verse 21. To him who overcomes, I, meaning Jesus, this is red letters, Jesus speaking, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, you guys are sure you want to be called experts instead of overcomers? Sit on his throne with him. So, the last one that I want to read, and I hope, I hope you're jotting these down so you can go study around them, study this, because... Where I'm going to be going, I'm going to be talking about Jesus. The title of my message is Undefiled Authority. So we're going to, we're going to go there, and I'm going to try and explain as quickly as I can, unpack and unload some of this. But next, I want to go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, verse 1. I think I probably am just going to going to talk about this a little instead of going there and, and reading it. Second Peter verse 1 through 11. 11 being the part that I... Can we just pull up Second uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 11? For so... I mean, he lays it all out right there. What I just call the building blocks of Christianity. Uh, the building blocks of faith. The building blocks of love is the first seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, ten verses there. But at the end of that, it says, if you do these things in increasing measure, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, so, man, I encourage you to read Second Peter, first chapter, 
verses 1 through 11, to get the rest of the context in that, of the things that he shows and makes clearly that if you'll do these things, you'll never stumble, and you will be granted entrance into the kingdom of God. Everlasting kingdom, which again I say, and I've said this several times, that I'm not talking about when you die, I'm talking about now. Like right now, we have access, entrance to the everlasting kingdom. Now, we're going to go to Matthew 3.16. Yeah. Matthew 3.16 and 17. And I want to talk first about Jesus. This is the scripture we're going to go to next. But about Jesus, I believe, I believe the scripture bears out that God came to earth through a virgin to live inside a man, fully God, fully man, to be contained in a body of flesh, walking in that flesh in his day-to-day life and activities, and being raised up from a baby born of a virgin to be able to understand, as we, what we read in Hebrews, to be able to understand that he was tempted in all points as we are. That he had to be raised up as a man from a baby born to a virgin, again I say, a baby born to a virgin, to adulthood, to when he was called and referred to as the Son of God. So when I think about, okay, a big question that came to my mind as I was studying this, it's like, to him who overcomes as I overcame, what can we overcome like Jesus overcame? That thought ever cross your mind to make you wonder? It's like, man, what could I possibly do to overcome like Jesus overcame? It's like he overcame the devil, he overcame the works of evil, he overcame, 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 but I believe, I believe, as I've studied and studied this, I spent three days just pondering all of this, and it's like, oh, sometimes it would be really funny to watch me study, it's like, oh, thank you, (laughs) that Jesus, as we do, had to overcome the flesh that he was wrapped in, that he grew up in. His biggest battle, his biggest journey, was overcoming that flesh. This makes sense to you? And that he was, was and is our example, God walking in the flesh on earth, being that perfect sinless lamb that was and is the sacrifice that brings salvation to the earth, to man. And Jesus, because of the limitations that he opted to live in and under, the limitations of a flesh that he had to walk. He didn't fly, he walked. He didn't just transport himself, he walked. We know that he, that, that he 
had pain, that he suffered, that he got hungry, that he cried. Right? So all of the things that we experience in the flesh, so did he, as he, even though he was God in the flesh, so the power of God, the knowledge of God, the authority of God living within him was limited by the flesh that was wrapped around him that he had to grow up in. This makes sense? Okay, and he had to overcome the same kind of things that we have to overcome to be that overcomer that we can be like him to overcome. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for being this incredible example that then being our high priest who overcame it all shows us the way and has the sympathy for us because of what we go through because he went through it. And then some. I think, how did Jesus, in, in Matthew like 28, 18, it says, I've been given all authority. I have been given all authority. I think, how did Jesus, what qualified him for all authority when he had to walk as a man like we walk as a man, fully God, but walking as a man, have been given all authority. And I think all authority was undefiled authority. There were two, two building blocks, two qualities of undefiled authority that's absolutely necessary for authority to be undefiled. How many know that you can have authority, you can be given authority, you can wear a badge, you can have a, a, a big title, and that authority, authority can be very much defiled by your flesh and your ability to want to manipulate people, to want to accomplish your own will, to accomplish your own good. Uh, that's a defiled authority, right? You know, it's not a good, not a positive authority. That an, an undefiled authority takes humility. There are two components, humility and love. Humility and love. To be able to truly walk in the authority like Jesus walked in. It's like when I think about the th what Jesus did... What he went through and the steps. You know, every parable, every story, every scripture that we read through the Gospels, it's talking about Jesus. And even in Old Testament, when things, that the types and shadows that are pointing to Jesus is something valuable that we can learn from. Right? The life of Jesus. Like, yes, love him, love him. Love what he did, love what he does, love what he's doing. He's so good to us. So, so good. I think the, the first is a story. Go back in, in uh, we don't need to go there. Luke 2, 41 through 52, where Joseph and Mary have taken the whole family. They're, they're, they're going back, you know, they're going on the, on the journey that they do every year. And they ended up losing Jesus for about three days. That'd be kind of rough to be accused of losing the Son of God, wouldn't it? 
They took off and left him. They didn't realize, you know, there's a big crowd of people and, you know, their animals and their provisions and all the stuff. They're headed back home. Three days into it, they realize they've lost the Son of God. They lost Jesus. So they went back to find him, and, and, and they're looking for him. And he's 12 years old at this time. 12 years old. They came back, and his mother's like, what have you done to us, son? She went in and grabbed him. And I can imagine if that was me, it probably would have been my mother grabbing me by the ear. It's like, hey, grabbing the Son of God by the ear and saying, what have you done? Where are you? Just really letting him have it. And he said, what are you talking about? I have got to be about my father's business. He already knew the calling on his life. He knew the mission that he had, what he was called to do, and how important, high, mighty, big, incredible that mission was. But I believe that he heard from the other father, his father in heaven, that said, Son, you have to submit to the authority that you have been placed under right here until your character is developed enough until again I'll say until your character is developed to carry the mission that you have and the gift that's been placed on you son so we 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 continue to read on there and I go into Luke and it says Jesus he definitely went home with mom and dad submitted to the authority of his, of his parents that he lived with and found favor with God and man for the next 18 years. He found favor with God and man as he submitted to the authority of his parents that he lived with, even though he knew what the calling on his life was, what he was gifted to do, he submitted to the authority of the parents that were put in authority over him. I think that's a really important lesson for us. Man, you can carry an amazing gift. You can step into a church. You can step into a whatever and say, I know the gift that I have, and you're asking me to do what? I've got really quiet. I heard Dale laugh. I recognize that laugh. It's like, but I am gifted to, and you're asking me to do what? I can remember the, when I came to donate a couple of weeks of my time, thinking I was given something very, very, very special to Pastor Rutzen, two weeks of my valuable time. And he said, yes, I've had the hose running out there. Start pulling weeds around the perimeter of this place. Like, what? What? Sometimes we have to be humbled <laughs> as we submit ourselves to, to the leadership that God had, the authority that God's put over us. A couple of weeks of taking care of, care of weeds. and. Uh, so, great lesson right there. And now, Jesus, I just think of the next thing, his, his mother. His mother got a hold of him. Now, I, I want to, yes, we definitely need to turn to uh, Matthew three sixteen and 17. Matthew. 
Matthew 3, 16 and 17. Now, okay. Jesus was baptized. He came to John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist himself said, man, the one that's coming after me, I'm not even worthy to buckle his sandals, you know, to strap his sandals. And Jesus came to John and said, I need to submit to you to be baptized. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy that has this incredible calling that's going to end up changing the world, as it's known at the time, is going to submit to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John said, well, well, no, you need to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, this is what needs to happen. So, So Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. He says, permit it to be so, for this is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then Jesus was baptized, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now he, capital H, who saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove? Who saw it? Jesus. He with the capital H. The heavens were open to him, capital H, and he, capital H, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Did you ever notice that before? I thought, Whoa, Jesus saw that. It's like, wait a minute. It's like, okay, think about this for a second. This was a man who was raised up in the flesh, spirit of God, knowledge of God, wisdom of God, power of God inside him. Walking in the flesh means he had the mind and thoughts of man. The spirit of God living in him, mind and thoughts of man. So do you not think that it was important for him to get the affirmation The verbal affirmation from his father and an acknowledgement from his father that this is my son in whom I am well pleased. To actually see that himself, that the heavens opened, spirit came upon him. I believe Jesus needed to see that for the affirmation himself. John the Baptist needed to see that because it was told to him earlier that the one that the dove lights on and remains will be my son. He will be the one. (laughs) But Jesus needed to see that for the affirmation because he was, as we are, sometimes weak in the flesh and in the thoughts that came into his head. So Jesus received that affirmation when, when he submitted to John to be baptized He was already sinless, but he submitted to John to be baptized. And there came his affirmation and the voice of his father saying, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now the next thing that I think, wow, Jesus submitted himself again. He humbled and submitted himself again. After he had gone, he was baptized, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, to be tempted by the devil. Another thing that tells us that Jesus was definitely lived and walked in a body of flesh 
We know, though, that the Spirit of God came on him, dwelt on him, and I, I believe he was empowered then, on the, externally empowered with the Holy Spirit, God living in him, Holy Spirit ascend, descended upon him. Then he took off to be tempted by the devil. He went out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and, was, and we, we, we read the three temptations in, in, the, in the Scripture in the first temptation was Jesus had fasted 40 days and he was hungry. And the enemy said to him, the devil said, if, everybody say if, if you're the son of God, turn these rocks into bread and fill yourself. It's like, oh. So it's really a good thing that his father was pleased with him, that it was, he was acknowledged by the father that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and that the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Because it made it easier, I'll just say it possible, for him to resist all of the temptations that would come against him by the devil. Now we know that he was hungry, so he was certainly a flesh, an individual of flesh, because he was hungry. He was tired, he was hungry. And the angels apparently didn't show up to help him until after he passed the tests. Then angels came and ministered to him after he passed the test. It's like he had the Holy Spirit in him, on him, around him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, which they saw come upon him. But angels didn't come to minister to him until after Satan had left. Hmm. That's right. Matthew... Let's go to Matthew 10, just briefly to Matthew 10. When Jesus started his, his ministry, the first, the first thing that he started doing as you go, here, here's what he's saying. He's sending out the first 10, uh, the first 10, the first 12, sending out the, 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 the apostles for the first time, the disciples. He said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. As you go, preach. What? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is the kingdom of heaven? What do you think of when you think of the kingdom of heaven? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> uh, I think, well, and the more I've thought, pondered, and, and, and studied Jesus, and he has showed up on the scene and says, go and preach. Go before me, preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like, I think Jesus, that perfect lamb with the plan of salvation, his sacrifice going to be the salvation of man, the kingdom was represented by Jesus on earth. The perfect representation of the kingdom of heaven. Righteousness, peace, joy. Like, what... what when you experience 
when you really feel the presence of God, when you've entered into the presence of God, I believe that is as the entrance into the everlasting kingdom. That we are complete in Him. Right? Everybody still with me? Okay. We're complete in Him that Jesus came to earth. I was going to next read the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's like when Jesus came to earth, his will was being accomplished on earth as it was in heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus being the full embodiment of God in the flesh, representing God in the flesh, Fully embod full embodiment was bringing the kingdom of heaven and all that it represents to earth. And we, when we access, fully access what Jesus has for us, as it lays out in 2 Peter, have been granted entrance into the everlasting kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Now, Jesus has come back, has started gathering his disciples. He's told these guys, go, preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's, that's what he's instructed him to do. In Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Now, he's back for just a little while, gathered a few disciples, and they've all been invited to a wedding. And we all know what happened at that wedding. They ran out of wine. So what does Mary do? His mother, she calls on her son, says, my boy can do something about this. Go fetch some wine. Jesus, 30 years old, has now been through the testing. He's been, he's been baptized. He knows that he's the Son of God for sure, without a doubt. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. The dove came down on him, ascended. It's like, oh, man, descended, descended. Came down on him, so, oh, this is an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. This is a high. He's building disciples. He now is walking in an authority. People are just drawn to him. All he has to do is speak to him. They are drawn to him. The presence of Jesus just draws people. Still does, did, does. And he's, so he's building this, this team, his disciples, and they've all been invited to go to the wedding. And his mom says, well, they've run out of wine. Like, he says, Mom, Mom, woman, what does that mean to me? Now, when I think about, again, he's 12 years old and he tells his mom, it's like, get over it. I am about my father's business. Now, he's 30 years old. Mom gets a hold of him and says, hey, 
We ran out of wine, Jesus. And he's like, what? We ran out of wine. What does that mean to me, Mom? I I have nothing to do. I have got such a glorious, big, incredible, almost impossible to accomplish mission, and you're worried about the wine at this wedding? I mean, he has a mind of Christ living in him, but he still had his own thoughts, right? He was walking in flesh part of the time. Battling that, 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 I believe this was one of those times. And his mom just like, just ignored that, said, you know, speak to him. Speak to your son here. And I believe he did. I, I believe Jesus took a second to hear what his father in heaven said, but his first response is sometimes what happens to us. You know, sometimes the first thing we do, something pops into our head, and that battle between our spirit and our head, so much gets in the way right there. And I believe this is something incredible that we can learn from Jesus right here, is because his first response is, woman, what's that got to do with me? I have something so much more important than that to do. You know, I am here to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out lepers, and convert the world reconcile mankind to my father and you're worried about wine so he did a a, a, a a rethink because his father in heaven is worried about you know he, he's concerned with the details in our life and his mom wanted that wedding to be a success she knew that Jesus could make a difference so she said my son Do whatever my son tells you. So Jesus ended up submitting again to his mother's authority. (laughs) After. Is this not incredible right here? I mean, it was to me. Like, wow, wow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're amazing. He qualified for the authority that he was to walk in by first submitting to the authority placed over him. His call and his purpose from God had to have his character, his lifestyle, and all of those things shaped by his parents, his parents and the circumstances around him until such a time as God showed him, told him, and released him. Our promotion is to come from God, not anybody else. We we cannot promote ourselves just because we know in our head that God showed me this. God wants me to do this. It's like, oh no, oh no. God has to be the one that does the promoting. We need to submit to God. We need to submit... (laughs) Sometimes that, that submit thing is a very, very difficult, difficult word to swallow or to think about. Submit. Submit to the authority. But undefiled authority is filled with love and humility. What did Jesus do? What, what, one of his, when he gathered the disciples again, he said, 
the greatest of you, the greatest of you in the kingdom, the greatest of you will be the servant of all. He wrapped the towel around his waist. He took the bowl and he washed the feet of every one of his disciples. It's like, hmm, the greatest of you will be the servant of all. Where he <laughs> set his authority aside to wash the feet of the disciples. Again, as another example, I think. Oh, Jesus, you're so amazing. What an incredible example for us all. Again, I want to just refer back to entrance into the everlasting kingdom. We can sit at the right hand of Jesus. We're called, if you read, I was looking through Colossians, and I have almost, I have highlighted or underlined about almost most of the scriptures in Colossians. Just read Colossians. That's an incredible, incredible, incredible scripture uh, passages, passages of scripture. Let's just, it's like 12 o'clock. Let's stand. See, we're called to be sons and daughters. Once we believe, he wants to give us full authority. I, I, several scriptures, I think next week or the week after, we're going to just have to pick this up again to talk, talk more about authority and the authority of sons and daughters. When we walk in undefiled authority that is given to us through Jesus Christ, our example. Father, I thank you. I, I just, I thank you. <laughs> I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the amazing, 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 powerful, incredible, loving, undefiled example that he is to us, for us, with us. I just pray that you would open our hearts, show us, give us opportunity, direction, and teaching to walk in complete humility. That when you show us, that when you give us an opportunity to minister to somebody, that we would see them through your eyes, eyes of love, eyes of compassion, and that we would be your hands and feet. That we could humble ourselves to become servants to all. Jesus only did, it says in his word, that he was completely submitted to you. That he only did what he heard you say, what he saw you do that he never went out on his will, but your will. And in that garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying before he was to be sacrificed for our sins, Father, if it's possible that this cup could pass from me, this flesh in me is screaming out, saying, I really, really, really need help to go through with this. But not my will, Father, but your will.
be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And I just pray over each one here this morning that that would be our prayer. The gifts that you have given us, Father, are not for our glory, but for yours and for the perfecting of the saints in your church. My gift is for your church. Your gift out there is for his church. And that we would use those gifts that you have given us humbly, lovingly, to do and to accomplish your will so you will be glorified in what we do. We give you thanks, we give you praise, and we open our eyes and our ears of understanding to be able to hear clearly what you're saying, to see clearly what you're doing, and that we would be obedient to do what you show us or tell us, just like Jesus. I thank you. I praise you, Jesus for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. I bless your holy name. Amen. We have a prayer team. I invite you, if you have a need of any kind in your life, if you need a healing this morning, God's in the healing business, and he would love to heal you. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and that was sickness, illness. As he told us, go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. If you need, come on down. I bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.